Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will explore and explain the private markets, including how to participate, the risks to be mindful of, and how investors can consider incorporating private market investments into their portfolios. So joining me here on the line today for the conversation, glad to welcome back Dan Scansaroli, Head of Portfolio Strategy at UBS Wealthways solutions for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Uh, Dan, good morning to you. Great to have you back on the podcast and looking forward to our conversation today. Good morning, Dan. As am I. So, Dan, as a starting point, it might be helpful just to level set for our listeners, our clients. Dan, can you provide us with a brief overview of what exactly private markets are and how they differ from public markets, which we talk about here on the podcast on a fairly regular basis? Yeah, of course. I mean, Typically, when investors talk about capital markets, they refer to investments that trade on a public exchange. Uh, And for a stock to be listed on an exchange like the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, for instance, the company has sold a portion or all of itself to the public via an IPO, an initial public offering. Uh, These public companies are then required to provide shareholders with transparency on their financial condition for routine standardized financial reports while the exchange provides a marketplace for the public to buy and sell securities with transparent and readily available price quotes and liquidity. Um, However, private markets are investments in privately held companies which are not publicly traded or listed, and they are typically owned by the company's founders, management, or a group of private investors. And since private investments do not trade on a public exchange, they are typically considered fairly illiquid meaning that there is not a ready market to trade in and out of these private investments easily. Additionally, private companies are not subject to the same financial reporting standards as public companies, which can limit transparency and comes with less frequent valuation updates. While the general public is able to invest in publicly available exchange-traded securities, on the other side, investors in private markets are typically restricted to high-net-worth individuals and institutions that are better able to bear and understand the complexities and risks associated with their investment. Uh, When an investment firm allocates to private markets, it enables them to form a direct investment in the private company, which often comes with an agreement to join the management committee of that company and an ability to influence business operations with an objective to enhance value. However, these value-added opportunities can take time. For areas like private equity, investors typically make a commitment of about 7 to 10 years to allow for growth realization, and then they need to find an exit strategy like a sale to another investor, acquisition by another company, or an initial public offering, an IPO. Perfect. Well, Dan, that was a very helpful starting point. So now that we have that backdrop, and I know a bit later in the conversation, we do want to dedicate some time to talking about incorporating private markets into an investment portfolio. But I do have a couple of quick follow-up questions, maybe in terms of prospects for returns, Dan. How do private markets fare relative to public markets? Well, when we look historically, private markets have a track record of outperforming public stocks with their additional return premium coming in part from the asset class's exposure to a larger opportunity set of strategies, more leverage, and manager expertise. Um, over the long run, we expect private, private equity, for instance, to continue to outperform public equities by about 1% to 3% per annum, which is 
fairly in line with what we've seen in the course of history. However, given the large market dislocation that we saw last year, we actually see the potential for additional returns. Uh, historically, the vintage in the year after a crisis are some of the best performing as they allow the management company to target value-added opportunities at a significant discount. Additionally, as we look at the current low-rate environment, private real estate and private debt tend to offer opportunities to generate higher yields with much less sensitivity to rising rates, which is a concern for many clients as rates are still near historical lows. On a prospective basis, we're actually projecting that U.S. large-cap stocks generate about 6.5 annualized returns over the next few cycles, while private equity and private real estate produce somewhere between 9.5% and 7.5%, respectively, for each one of those asset classes. The unique characteristics, though, of each private investment tends to mean that private markets tend to offer strong diversification benefits in a portfolio that can potentially boost returns and reduce the expected volatility of said portfolio. Now, Dan, in terms of risks associated with participation in private markets, what do investors really need to be mindful of? There are several risks that investors should be aware of. Uh, One of the most predominant risks that investors focus on is, of course, the illiquidity of private investments. Private market investors are generally unable to sell their investments easily and should not expect to see capital return for a period of, let's say, 10 to 12 years um, for that growth realization. Uh, This creates a risk to investors who over-allocate to privates in their portfolio and find themselves unable to sell their assets to meet spending needs. Investors in private markets are also subject to capital calls. So when you when you allocate to private markets, uh, you make a predefined capital commitment. Um, they don't typically take that money all at once. Uh, they're going to draw it over time as they find their opportunities, which allows the what that basically means is the capital calls are allowing the management company to demand cash on very short notice. And if you fail to meet a capital call, it can result in a significant adverse consequence, including but not limited to a total loss of your investment. Lastly, as with many investments, private markets come with the potential for a loss of capital. Private companies tend to be smaller than public market companies. They can be more exposed to economic conditions, business-specific risks, and they come with, as I mentioned before, less transparency, more complexity, and offer often higher levels of leverage. You know, investors in private markets can manage each of these risks through a good, you know, portfolio manager who does thoughtful diversification, planning, and due diligence. Thank you, Dan. So at this point, I think we have a very good grasp of what private markets are relative to public markets. So I do want to pivot, spend a few moments to touch on a recent investment strategy insights piece you co-authored with a couple of your colleagues investing in private markets with the UBS Wealth Way. So uh, Dan, how should our clients listening in think about participation in private markets in context to the UBS Wealth Way approach? Maybe put another way, how can participation Dan, help with achieving their long-term financial goals? Oh, it's, a, it's an excellent question, especially um, because we expect low bond yields and high equity evaluations to provide a lower forward-looking return than what we saw in the last decade in public markets. Now, for many investors, this may actually pose a headwind to meeting their financial goals as they were banking on higher returns. Um, and 
allocation of private markets has the potential to boost the growth of your wealth and therefore can help increase your ability to meet your goals, any of that funding gap. Um, it should be noted that private markets can actually help meet a variety of goals uh, depending on your personal situation. For investors seeking to maximize growth and have less income needs, they may wish to allocate a larger portion of their portfolio towards private equity, for instance. However, if investors are focused more on income generation, they may want to allocate to private debt and private real estate in a larger proportion. You know, generally it's our recommendation to have a mix of each of these types of private investments, but tailor it to your financial situation. And that's what the UBS Wealthway framework is all about. In, in the UBS Wealthway framework, the longevity strategy is comprised of assets that are designed to meet your, your expenses over your lifetime. Um, and by including private markets in your longevity strategy, it can help to provide additional portfolio growth, which can keep your assets from being depleted by spending and allowing you to spend more during the course of your lifetime or even possibly retire earlier if you get that return, return boost. Um, a higher expected return in your longevity strategy can also give you the opportunity to fund your lifetime expenses with significantly less capital, allowing you to set aside and plan with your best capital for the next generation or to do more philanthropy um, in your legacy strategy. Thank you, Dan. And I'm sure our clients listening in will have some follow-up conversations for their financial advisors. And of course, we encourage those conversations to be had. Maybe a couple of questions a client might ask a financial advisor, Dan, how should I go about incorporating private markets into the UBS Wealthway framework and how best to determine an appropriate allocation? In our experience, uh, families are reluctant to allocate to private markets due to the worry that they might need to spend capital that they locked up in a liquid investment. Uh, with the UBS Wealthway Framework, we can help ease those worries. Um, the first step is to set aside enough liquidity strategy resources to meet short-term cash flow needs. The second step is to ensure that the longevity and legacy strategy assets have enough liquid assets to mitigate the risk of falling short of cash flow needs and capital calls. Uh, to help provide guidance around these liquidity concerns, we ran thousands of simulations on different market scenarios to determine how much a portfolio can safely allocate to the liquid investments while distributing cash for spending in a bear market before running into a shortage of those liquid assets. We actually found that it's possible to safely allocate about 30% to private markets for um, annual spending rates that are below 5% of your total wealth. However, for your legacy strategy, assets uh, can be safe to lock up a larger allocation to private markets, similar to a pension fund or an endowment. Um, but we would actually limit the amount total in your legacy portfolio to 40% to preserve diversification and allow for flexibility to take advantage of different market environments and opportunities. Okay, well, Dan, that's very helpful clarity. So I know we're beginning to come to the end of our time together today, Dan. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts or takeaways you would like to leave for our listeners and clients? Absolutely. Uh, regardless of your investment approach, if you're considering adding private investments to your portfolio, you should work with your financial advisor to make sure you have sufficient liquid assets and borrowing capacity to meet any cash flow needs, especially in the event of a severely stressed market. The UBS Wealthway Framework, it can help you evaluate the suitability of private investments relative to your personal needs and goals and help form a personalized financial plan. Your financial advisor can also help you understand how private investments may be able to diversify your portfolio 
and potentially boost long-term growth expectations. So connect with your financial advisor if you're interested in private. Dan, very productive and educational conversation today. And to reinforce your closing point, Dan, we, of course, strongly encourage our clients listening in to have a follow-up conversation with their financial advisor if they're interested in learning more. But Dan, great insights today. It was very nice catching up with you, and we'll look forward to having you back on the podcast again soon. Thanks, Dan. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Dan. And again, today we've been joined by Dan Scansaroli, Head of Portfolio Strategy and UBS Wealthway Solutions for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the publication that Dan has been making reference to during our conversation today, Investment Strategy Insights, Investing in Private Markets with the UBS Wealthway. So for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topic or if you would like to receive a copy of this publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Wealthway is an approach incorporating liquidity, longevity, legacy strategies that UBS Financial Services, Inc. and our financial advisors can use to assist clients in exploring and pursuing their wealth management needs and goals over different time frames. This approach is not a promise or guarantee that wealth or any financial results can or will be achieved. All investments involve the risk of loss, including the risk of loss of the entire investment. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management business of UBS AG or its affiliate UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 